0: Welcome to the No Plateau podcast for stroke and brain injury survivors, their caregivers and the therapists helping them to break boundaries in their recovery journey. Hosted by Henry Hoffman, occupational and clinical therapist, this podcast is intended to supplement stroke and brain injury survivors recovery journey. Therefore, all content affiliated with this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. And now, here's Henry Hoffman. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode
1: of the No Plateau podcast. I am your host, Henry Hoffman, and I'm happy to be here with you today. We have a very special guest uh, with us today. Please welcome Keith Taylor to the podcast. He's not only suffered a stroke at the age of 48, but he started an awesome online coaching, mentoring uh, company that I'm going to dive into. Of course, Keith, being a stroke survivor himself, can appreciate the struggles. That a lot of our uh, stroke patients go through, and we're excited to have him on. And the focus of today's podcast, of course, is to learn more about Keith's journey and his struggles and how he took those struggles and made something positive out of them and, and start the new company, Strength After Stroke, which is that uh, life coaching online mentoring uh, program for stroke survivors so they can maximize their potential. So welcome, Keith. How are you?
2: Ah, Thank you so much, Henry. I'm doing great. Uh, doing really good. I want to make sure I I say thank you so much. Sabo has uh, been a great company to follow, and I just follow you, and I think the world of you guys. So
1: well, we appreciate that, and thank you very much, Keith. And, and you know, I want to dive into uh, what was life like for Keith Taylor a couple weeks before your stroke. That's what I want. To, I want to start there, and then we'll get into the uh, nitty gritty.
2: Okay, sounds good. So uh, I was uh, one of the owners of a multi-million dollar uh, manufacturing company, actually. And uh, we were going along. And of course, we went through kind of the, depress- the depression cycle that happened, you know, and we were coming out of that looking really good and things were going well. I was a sales manager. There were four of us partners of it and uh, very passionate about it. Uh, My retirement was all in place. You know, I had all the, all those things were all in place. And then, uh, you know, things changed, right? Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So at that point, when did you actually suffer the stroke?
2: The story really is, I just felt off. Um, it was a day in September and, uh, I felt off. I was supposed to take off for Seattle for a sales trip. And um, I pushed it out a day because this never happened. You know, as a business owner, I'm sure you can attest this to this too. But, you know, we worked, uh, you work many hours and you, you keep pushing. And, and uh, I just felt really off this one morning. And so I was supposed to go to Seattle. Well, I decided, nah, I, I'm not going to go. I'm just going to lay down and take a nap. And the next thing I know, seriously, my wife got home from work and uh she was like what the heck you know and i'm i'm laying in bed and and the day got away from me and and but i could i just thought i was sick you know and so she checked me out i remember she looked in my mouth and looked at a bunch of stuff on me and everything seemed okay so i just uh went back to bed well the next morning she goes to work really early in the mornings or did and uh so she left. She checked on me before that, but then I got up and got around, and I I took a shower, and and then I always I always got these phone calls from either my business partner or I was helping some other guys, and and uh, I got this one call, and and he says, "What the heck is wrong with you?" <laughs> and I guess I wasn't making any sense, and he said, "Don't go anywhere. Uh, don't don't head to Seattle." And the next thing I know, my wife got home and took me to the hospital and, and, uh, that's what happened. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's amazing. So you, prior to the stroke, you, you were set up, you were doing great. You're doing, uh, you know, wonderful things with your job. You were thinking about retirement and, and felt secure and suddenly out of nowhere, like life happens, right? Not your will, but life happens. What was your wife's reaction for that first, you know, four or five, six hours when she knew something was wrong and you're at the hospital?
2: that was a tough deal. The hospital, uh, people were asking me all kinds of questions and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I was laughing and, and, uh, I couldn't answer. I, I remember specifically one question was what year is it? I had no idea. I had no idea. I didn't know birthdays. I didn't. And I, I thought it was really comical. And I, my poor wife, right? <laughs> she was just going through it and You know, the whole caregiver thing, that's a whole nother topic we could talk about because that's a huge, huge out there. Uh, I'm very much a proponent of that. And we, we talk a lot about that.
1: That's uh, unbelievable. So you will fast forward because I don't want to dive deeper into what you're doing now, but when you suffered your stroke, one last question on that, what were some of the deficits you had at the time of the stroke? And do you have any lingering deficits, you know, 10 plus years later?
2: Okay. So, uh, right after the stroke, a couple of things, uh, were key and, and I want to go back and I want to tell a little bit of story about some of that stuff when there's time Henry, but the deficits were definitely there. I, our product line for our manufacturing company was very intense and, um, lots of it
1: when you say intense, a lot of skews, so a lot of different products that you have to keep track of, right?
2: Absolutely. Now, I'll, I'll tell you this. We, we made cabinet doors, doors only for cabinet makers. Huh. And uh, we had built this company very large. It's, it's doing really well right now, actually. And so every edge profile, every inside profile, every panel, every, everything, okay, had its own skew. So E2, E4, you know, clear up to the 40s. Those were just edge profiles. So that's an example. So when I came back in, I didn't know uh, any of the standards uh, at all. It was a struggle. Boy, I'll tell you. Which reminds me, I'll tell this story real quick. Because when I did finally start going back in, which was a few months, you know, and when I finally started going back in, uh, we would sit around the the table and have these owner meetings, which we did every Friday before. And um, after my stroke, we'd sit around and go around the, the table. And here I was as the sales managers, quote unquote. And uh, when it would come to me, tears would just flow down my, my face. I couldn't even communicate. Uh, I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't communicate. And it was a, it was a tough, tough time.
1: Well, I can't imagine that situation where you're in the meeting at that point, you were very self-aware, right, of your deficits. And you were in, normally prior to the stroke, you could ramble off everything you need to do. You were multitasking um, at lightning speed, I'm sure. And suddenly you're there and it's it's your turn. And you're trying to just express specifically what you want to express and you can't do it quickly. To, you, know, you can't recall. And so, of course, your emotions get the best of you. It's just unbelievable experience.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I went from... You know, being this owner of, of doing all this stuff, you know, I drove the sales of this company, multi-millions, and it was a tough battle. My partner had gone to a neurology appointment with me in the very beginning. He came and my wife was there and the neurologist told me at that time, and this is one of the things that, why I'm so passionate, Henry, about helping people and getting the word out about what I do, because he told me, you got about a year, year and a half is as good as it's going to get for you. And so guess what? About a year, year and a half later, I was bought out of my company and I didn't have any choice in the matter.
1: Wow. That's unfortunate. How did you cope with your deficits that you're still struggling with? And how did you cope with the job loss?
2: Well, let me back up. If you don't mind, let me kind of tell a little bit of a story because when all, all these things were going on and my wife goes back to work, right? i mm-hmm. I'm standing in this we had a two-story house and we had this picture window on the upper level and and it was fall of course, late fall and all the colors were changing and every, everything was beautiful outside. But I was I was suicidal. I was thinking about ending it. I had lots of life insurance, you know, all this stuff and um and I seriously was debating ending my life because I didn't know I felt like, you know, here I was, the owner of this company, the man of the house, all that good stuff, and uh, then I was uh, nothing, basically, and it was really tough. It was a tough pill to swallow for a while. I'll say it now. It was right in that time period that I thought, wait a minute. I'm here for a reason. There's something that's happened here that's caused this for me, and I'm not going to allow it to take over I think it's a message that tells me that it's time to get some things put in place for others. And that's what I went to work on, Henry. And I'm very passionate about that, very much so. So
1: let's unpack that a little. That's, that, was, that must have been an awful experience and a dark, very low experience uh, in your life. How long did you feel that sense of having those suicidal thoughts? And did you share it with your wife? And, and how did you? flip the switch to go from, you know what, maybe I can do something positive from this. Can you just spend a few minutes talking about how long you had that? And did you, how did you sh- communicate that with your wife? And, and then how did you turn the page?
2: Yeah, I would love to actually. So no, I did not share it with my wife. Okay. Because it would have created a hell of a mess for us. Okay. At the time she already had her hands full And she had, at this time, she had started going back to work and uh, she didn't need more of that. And one of the things that, uh, why I mentor people, uh, I have my mentoring program because, and I'm a stroke survivor who gets it. And there's so many people out there who understand a lot of these things that are going on in their own mind, but they don't want to share them with people that they uh, love and trust and, you know, like their spouse. Because it would just create uh, an enormous problem uh, in their household. And so they they lock it in. They don't talk about it. They don't get it out. So that's one of the reasons I started that. Am I answering your question correctly?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then how long were you, you know, depression is such a common issue. Following any type of, you know, serious ailment, let alone stroke, not enough people talk about it. I don't think enough people are getting attention that they need. And I know that there's a lot of resources out there, including what you're doing, to address it. What do we do as therapists? We focus on the arm. We focus on the leg. We focus on the hand. You know, c- Accomplishing the main goals, getting them out of the uh, hospital so they can walk, get back to return to, to function. But a lot of them, rightfully so, are going to go through these stages of grief, if you will, where they're going through, I can't believe this happened to me, To all the way to acceptance and trying to adapt and modify and be the new person, the new version of themselves that they can be, how long did that process take for you going from rock bottom, because rock bottom, in my opinion, is suicidal ideation, to, you know what, I'm going to start an online uh, mentoring self-help program. How long did that process take? Because that's a massive transformation.
2: So a couple of things come to my mind, and you and I may or may not agree on everything, Henry. I want to make sure I You know, uh, one of the things that you said was, you know, the physical part. Well, yeah, the physical part is huge key, and I agree with you. But if your mental state is not right, it's really hard to continue to grow. That's my my own thought. But I would say that 90% of people go through depression. Now, the depression levels are all over the place. So for me personally, uh, once I found a new goal, a new driver, okay, because, you know, all these people, they have their own goals, they have their own inhibitions, where am I going and all this, and then it hits the fan, and their life is com- upended 100%, and all of a sudden, they have to rethink that, and I, I talk to so many people and mentor so many people who are going through that right now, because, their life totally changed. So what do I do now? Well, you have to be willing and you have to be open to life is going to change and you got to find a new passion, a new purpose. People think that that's my purpose. That's where I'm going. But what happens after a stroke or anything other than a stroke that upends your life? You've got to be able to find a new purpose and there's your motivation. So I believe that's huge for me. It's when I found that new motivation to help other people that started getting me out of it. Now, did it happen overnight? No, Henry, you still go through depressing depressing times, depressing thoughts. Uh, you talk about my speech and and all that. I still struggle. There's some things I struggle with specifically that I'm working on all the time. One of those is people's names. I used to know everybody's name, and now I you know that escapes me, and so I'm working on how do I get better because you can retrain your brain. And that's what I love about Sabo because you can retrain your brain. You can find these new neurons that are connecting and stuff. And so I'm very, very passionate about that.
1: Well, that's great. And I want to transition in a second into exactly a little bit more about your uh, approach and how people can receive your online coaching and mentoring. Before I do, let's talk about the delivery care model you know, most of these podcasts, we talk about the, like you said, the physical, right? We talk about neuroplasticity, we talk about rewiring the brain for motor function, but obviously neuroplasticity exists for mental health as well. From a service delivery model, where could it have been a little bit better? Or do you think there's a area that needs improvement from the mental health side? And using your example, you, you've suffered a stroke, you went through shock, the hospital does an amazing job keeping you alive. You, of course- uh, had a higher, le- quote unquote, higher level stroke from the standpoint that you're doing great. Your arms are moving, your legs are moving, you're talking, you have um, you know, no, no significant issues cognitively. So you're one of the good, good stories, as, as a lot of stroke survivors would say. But what we don't see is how was the actual interventions handled when it comes to mental health? During your journey, you already had OTPT speech. Did anyone from a mental health Aspect, a counselor, were they injected into the care at the any points, whether it's inpatient rehab, outpatient rehab, home health, ER, you know, when you were stable. Is there any at all?
2: Isn't that amazing? There was absolutely none of that. And my wife reached out to some people. And luckily we had a friend who worked at a huge hospital in Portland and she was like, what, let me do some work. And so she found me a therapist and, but it was a a PT, it was a physical therapist that I went to. Now I say that, but maybe she was OT because I worked on some other things as well, not just physical.
1: Yeah. What usually happens, Keith, is, you know, a social worker sometimes steps in and, and tries to play that role as a counselor as well, because they do have a lot of training in that area. But it's really crazy to think that how much it's ignored when it comes to um, – because your outcomes, your motivation, your chances for more recovery, it all starts with you know, having that core belief that you can actually improve. And the ha- only way you're going to have that belief is if you're mentally – you're feeling okay and you're not depressed. And it's, it's okay to be having struggles, and it's okay to be frustrated. If you're paralyzed from depression, you mean mentally paralyzed – it's going to be hard to rewire your brain and and improve in all those other aspects. So you feel like that onboarding team really needs to have a mental health professional. And then for a lot of these cases, it's the social worker. But I truly wonder how much time is really spent. sounds like none for you on, hey, Keith, this is what you just went through. Here's what the expectations are. Here's the feelings you should feel. But good news, here's what's going to happen in the future. And it sounds like none of that takes place or very little. It takes place, uh, you know, throughout the country.
2: That's the problem. Okay. The doctors and the hospitals, they all have their own agenda and they do a good job. I'm not bashing anybody. And frankly, some are for profit. Some are not. And, uh, you know, they, they have to watch their P's and Q's. I get it, but people who have a stroke, they're pushed out into, into society. And then they got now In today's world, yes, there's a lot more PTs, there's a lot more OT training that happens from the hospital a lot. Uh, That wasn't the case when I had mine. At least I didn't experience that. But the mental health aspect that you're talking about, I feel like there is still a huge hole that we have to fill. We have to figure this out and help people get that filled. And maybe you're onto something more than I am, Henry, but that gap is huge. And we've got to fill that gap.
1: I agree. And so strengthafterstroke.com is your website. We'll put that in the show notes. Let's transition into trying to fill that gap with you, right? So how many years after your stroke did you decide to create these mental health resources for stroke survivors? How many years did it take Did you before you ended up pulling trigger on strength after stroke?
2: Well, uh, what I'm going to say is I pulled the trigger on Strength After Stroke not too far, uh, probably three, three and a half years later, I started Strength After Stroke. But the whole base program, my base, which is about belief, attitude, strength and energy, that whole program that now exists online and can be purchased for somebody to go through on their own accord is online, that took a while. I wrote a base program, I wrote the base program, and then I started sharing it with people and it was in a a written form. And then I met with another stroke survivor and she told me, she said, this is too much too soon. And so that's when I decided to put it in a format that people can take it step by step. And so now it's a 15 module course that lives online too. That got done gosh, two years ago, maybe not that long ago, actually. And so, yeah, I'm just kind of getting the word out of, out about it.
1: Okay. So let's do this. Uh, and by the way, I love your mission statement, helping stroke survivors discover their passion, set the intention and execute a plan. So passion is in all caps, intention is in all caps and execute is in all caps. So why don't you explain briefly, how the BASE program works, and maybe elaborate on that mission statement.
2: You know, what it is, it's just, it's a program that helps, um, you know, people get from point A to point B, and then they can retake it and stuff. But let me go into a couple things. So B is about belief, right? And so I have these stepping stones in each one of these, B, A, S, and E. And for example, telling a new story. Uh, is the first uh, is the first PDF that somebody has to fill out, and they go through because, you know, life's changed. You've got to be able to talk yourself through a new story and and get a new vision. In the attitude section, uh, one of the things I talk about is focusing on growth. I'm that positive guy who is always looking for something to keep moving forward, and so that's what I believe, and that's. Who I work well with are those, those types of people. So, you know, in the attitude section, uh, focusing on growth. In the strength modules, uh, there's one in there that says find your support system. I think that we need, whether it's a buddy, whether it's another stroke survivor, whatever it is, We all need that. We need somebody to talk to that we can be honest with. In my other stuff, we run a men's group. We run all these groups and we do all this stuff so that people can get out and talk about themselves a little bit without worrying about everybody else. And and then in the energy side, uh, one of my favorite parts is I take people through a seven levels deep series. And what that does is it asks the question, you know, who are you? What do you do? It actually gets, you can get emotional uh, if asked it correctly. And that's where I, that's where you can come down to more of what's your legacy? What do you want to leave for the world? And so that's kind of it in a nutshell.
1: So that sounds fantastic. It sounds very comprehensive. Are most of your clients stroke survivors or are there other diagnoses as well?
2: Well, so I've thought a lot about this, (laughs) you know, from a marketing standpoint, of course, And usually uh, caregivers are the ones who buy it for their stroke survivor uh, spouse. Uh, I've seen that quite often. And then I I have some stroke survivors who've done it. And then the mentoring part, the one-on-one talking, I absolutely love doing that, Henry. And that's where you can really, the rubber really meets the road on that. I love doing it. And that has an impact.
1: Yeah, let's talk a few minutes. So we talked about the base program. Let's dive into the one-on-one mentoring. You know, out of curiosity, is there a scenario where you would do group mentoring or is it always typically one-on-one?
2: The thought is there. Yes. The answer is yes. Has it been developed? No. I would love to do group coaching and then for those who need the one-on-one, I would love to to offer that it's not all about the money or anything like that, Henry, really. I do feel like if people aren't willing to pay a little bit for what they get, they don't take it serious. And so I do charge, but I want to put a team program together like you're talking about. I think that's a great idea.
1: Well, you know, I think as we wrap up, Keith, not only does your story uh, tell a lot about who you are and what you've accomplished and where you've came from, not only before the stroke, but Definitely post stroke when you have those dark, deep thoughts to where you're now, which is doing one on one coaching and mentoring. Who'd have thought that that was the plan for you, right? But the plan was there. As an occupational therapist that spends most of my time dealing with upper extremity um, issues for patients, of course, there's a psychosocial aspect um, that we address too. And I can't tell you, you know, there are countless times where I can see clients coming into the clinic and they're just not able to produce the results that they want. And a lot of the times it's either lack of sleep <laughs> or, because a lot of them have, a, you know, sometimes sleep and endurance and fatigue issues, or they're going through a bout of depression. And when you go through a bout of depression, it's going to affect everything. And the caregiver, you mentioned caregiver, that's absolutely 100% right. They're, they're part of this problem too, right? I mean, they're the heroes for a lot of these clients. They get affected emotionally, patients getting affected emotionally. So now we need more Keith throughout the country providing coaching. And it really needs to be part of the critical team, right? And so if we're talking about, if I always, uh, the analogy for me is you're building, you're, you're building a house, you have your crew, and then you are going to have contract subs, right? And there's going to be an OT, sub worker, a PT. And we need to have mental health as well. And I think that needs to be rounded out. And imagine through the onboarding, not only to get their evidence-based practice to improve their leg and their hand or speech and cognition. But they also have the right mindset day one on what to expect, because that's going to be a huge part of uh, what's going to happen in, in the recovery.
2: Well, and, and so, Henry, and you probably know more about this than I do, but on the insurance side, and that's why I offer what I offer, and it's really cheap and all that. But on the insurance side, what we need is we need that mental help uh, taken care of for these people from the get-go. You know, they go to the PT, they go to the OT. They need that. They need somebody that they can talk to, and it needs to be paid for, hundred percent, somehow. And boy, that's a that's a huge, huge undertaking that we've got in front of us. But when I die, I hope that uh, some of these things are taken care of.
1: Well, you're setting up a legacy as well, and you're helping um, hundreds of patients um, around the country. Maximize their potential, and that's all because of what happened in your life. I want to thank you so much for uh, sitting in here on the the No Plateau podcast. I'll definitely put all of your information in the show notes. I hope that a few of the uh, folks listening on the call can appreciate what this conversation was today. And I know we're going to try to come up with some way for you. I don't know if it's going to happen before this is published or after, where you can do a, a little bit of a, uh, a webinar for interested uh, caregivers and patients so they can learn more. But I want to thank you again for uh, hanging out today on the No Plateau podcast, Keith.
2: Henry, I just want to say, seriously, I followed you and and Pete, of course, but I've followed uh, you guys for quite a while. You do an awesome job. I feel blessed to know you and uh, I thank the world of you. So,
1: Well, thank you very much. I want you to have a good day, sir, and we'll be in touch. And for the audience, thanks for listening and check out the show notes for more information. Bye-bye. Take care, Keith.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the No Plateau podcast. Please make sure to like and subscribe to stay up to date on more stroke and brain injury recovery stories. The No Plateau podcast is intended to give you an insight into stroke and brain injury survivors' journeys. Any opinions given on this podcast are strictly the individuals, and we do not suggest that you necessarily hold the same viewpoints as anyone on this podcast. This podcast is intended to supplement stroke and brain injury survivors' recovery journey. Therefore, all content affiliated with this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Reliance on any information provided by the No Plateau podcast is solely at your own risk.